Hello. Hello. Hello world, welcome to Fantainment, the show where fans share their views on sports, pop culture and everything in between. Um, I'm FB and as always, we're changing and looking for new ways to make the show better. Um, I got a lot of positive feedback that you guys like the kidnapping episode. I hope that's not because... Um, that's kind of weird. I know, right? <laughs> I hope it's because you got to listen to more intimate interaction with the guests and not simply because it was a horror story because uh, god knows that i don't have like a bunch of like a bunch of kidnapped people on my rolodex to call up and, uh, <laughs> and share kidnapping stories so yeah and that was not supposed to be the focus of the show but um uh i think it's because people get to hear um other people share about share stuff about their life experiences which may be something that they could relate to um and certainly i i know it was interesting listening to dibe's story um there was traumatic um and i think it's i personally enjoy just kind of like learning more from him and how he went through that experience and what he learned and all that stuff so i i i want to do more of those things now um that doesn't mean that that's the end of banter and all the outlandishness outlandishness um and craziness that we typically have on this show as a matter of fact the only reason why we have another real talk segment is because the um episode that i recorded with uh, nubian and k-boy um got corrupted if you will this was an issue with the software so um luckily i got uh a, a guest to come in last minute and um, I actually had this planned already so it kind of worked out um, and he's becoming somewhat of a recurring guest so uh, I'm yeah. happy about that <laughs> this is like what number three this is number three number three hey. my third, my third time on the nice I like that um, so, tell me yeah. that I'm coming for a spot <laughs> I'm, I'm become a regular <laughs> you know <laughs> um but yeah we're going to take this opportunity to learn more i mean normally when when uh when you're on we talk football and get you to battle some people um but this time we're going to learn more about you so uh, welcome back to the show pd aka pd picasso aka p diddy aka Ooh. aristocrat karate i don't know i'm just making up stuff right there so the last few hey man <laughs> That's, that's cool. Any, anything goes into it. <laughs> hey, actually, based on that, what other aliases do you have that uh, people may not know about? Or some that some people try to throw out there that never stuck? Um, Man, I used to be Papa P. Oh, for real? In, in, yeah, in, in school, in uni. Mm. I used to be Papa P. I've been Papa Smurf. Papa Smurf. Um, yeah. Why Papa that, Smurf? That for a while. Um, because I was like, I, was, I think I always had that, the papa thing was, I always had that leader, father type uh, of role. Uh, okay. Yeah. So when I was in school, so was, I think that's where that came from. And it went from Papa P to Papa Smurf, I think, especially because I was the pot belly and the beard. <laughs> and I was short. So I, looked, <laughs> I kind of could pass over Smurf. I just, I'm just not blue. <laughs> that was all that was missing. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, if you don't Maybe know... Maybe the red hat, too. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, that's an idea for Halloween, hey. Um, hey, man, that's true. I'll, I'll try one of these days. <laughs> so if you don't know, PD is the CEO of Aristocats Entertainment, Sona Studios, co-founder of MyDeskRadio.com. Uh, you're a busy man, man. Uh, you've created or been a part of or of the process of creating quite a number of companies and businesses and stuff. Um, what do you get the most joy out of? Or what do you get more joy out of? Do you get more joy out of the C title and being able to say, yeah, I own that? Or are you more excited about the creative process? I think, to be honest, it's more about the creative process. Um, that's always been... like. I, I usually have a bunch of ideas um, all at the same time, and it's just kind of like trying to bring them to life and that the process of actually bringing these ideas to life. And once you've actually been able to succeed in bringing one to life, um, then it's just, the, you just kind of, you can go into overdrive a bit and just like want to create more, want to do more. Mm. Um, and that's that's really what kind of drives me. Just, just this sense of kind of doing, doing a bit more every time, or doing something new, or taking on a new challenge and everything. Do you ever get like, uh, like I don't know, maybe like a, for lack of a better term, like superhero complex where you create this and create that, and all of a sudden you feel like you can create like twenty things at once, and like how do you juggle those things? Because I, I get, I imagine that your brain I, is probably I, constantly working, and like okay, I can do yeah, this. And do this. I, I, I think so. Like, you know, like I, I think you, if the, it's, it's hard not to, um, if you've created something from, from nothing, from your imagination mm. and especially people looking at you like you're crazy and then you actually succeed in doing that and try to do something again and you succeed in doing that at the point, it, it, the, the, there becomes like no limit to you or no, mm. no boundary. You feel like you can't really, um, surpass or whatever. So I don't know if I'm I'm like a superhero complex, but mm. sometimes I really feel like if I really put my mind to it, mm. um, it's I, I can get it done. Mm. It's just about putting my mind, to just yeah, getting me to get put my mind into things that is sometimes that might even be the hard part. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, like once you've you've done it before, so it's not it's not. I guess a lot of a lot of people feel like, man, I can't do this. But once you've actually done it, then it's like, okay, yeah, I think nothing can really stop me from doing this. Which one of the companies or businesses yeah. you created are you the most proud of? Whether it's something that you know of or something that's like you've been a part of that people may not know about. Hmm. Ah, oh, that's. I'm most proud of. Wow. Um. I I I'm I'm yet to I, I'm yet to succeed at that yet. I think um the arena arena which is the basically like the parent company of Midas Radio mm. um and Aristocrat TV and um we have a lot of other plans for that. I feel like that would be um when accomplished, I guess that that would be one of the things like I feel like if I do that I can just kick back and say, yeah, um, I've, do- I've done something. I think with the record label, that's what I'm mostly po- known for or popular for. Mm. Um, but I don't, I don't want to say I'm not proud of it, but um, I, I guess I, I've, I've been there, done that. Mm. My, my mind is, is, I guess, on the, on the, 
on the next one right now. But I guess out, out of everything I've accomplished so far, maybe the label has been, um, has been, yeah. If not the one coming, it'll be the label out, out of everything else. For for are you can you speak on what exactly Arena is? You said you mentioned that the podcast is under Arena or Midas Radio is under Arena. What? Yeah, as you, as you said, the Risk Entertainment. Um, okay. The Risk Entertainment Network. Yeah, network uh, it's basically like a multiple. Um, it's a digital media network. So podcast, podcast, digital TV, digital magazines, um, just different platforms, different mm. digital media platforms that all form this um, network of digital, just from all the digital, the digital media network. So I think so far we have Red Scratch TV and Midas Radio up and running. Um, we're hoping to launch uh, sort of like a digital magazine called playafrica.com mm. this year. And then we have some other plans going forward and everything. And that I feel like um, digital media, um, digital TV, radio is the future. And, um, I like to invest in long-term future projects and try to be uh, a front-runner or early early player in those fields. And especially in, in the Africa, it's kind of still big out here in the West, but in Africa, it's still a very, very um, new field. So that's mm. one of my challenges. And do you, like, how do you deal with that? Because I assume um, it's... in I, I think, like, you know, in more of a Western world, it's it's the infrastructure and the culture is more um familiar with with uh basically uh you know interaction with the cloud dealing with d- digital um products yeah. and and I, I assume like africa or let's say specifically nigeria is not exactly at that point yet um, is it kind of like a how how do you like navigate that? Is it is there frustration in that situation? Are you like okay at the end of the day we're just laying the groundwork and we will be ready when everybody else is ready? Or um, you know are there other things other frustrations in kind of setting things up that people may not even know about? Yeah, I think like when we especially like if we look at the podcast situation the podcast space, mm. uh, podcasting is something that has pretty much picked up in the in America and elsewhere. Yeah. Um in Nigeria, even though I feel like I, like we or we know that it's going to be something that will pick up in Nigeria just because of issues like internet penetration, people not having access to the right internet or people not even understanding what podcast is, um or podcasts are, we, we have to kind of do a lot of sensitization and teach people and talk to people and always explain to people what a podcast is. Um but for me again it's like yeah getting in the door first laying the foundation um and then when it's ready mm. uh, we, we we know that we're in the in that space and within that space and we've learned and we've made the mistakes that we need to make and whatnot so not when it's when it's hot nigeria likes to has a bandwagon mentality and we yep. wait for things to get hot and everybody jumps on it and puts money in it and whatever so but i think the the, the lessons that we're learning now um will kind of allow us to be able to be a major player when the market is ready for all the digital media platforms and everything. Mm. And it might not be as long as um, we say like two to three years, that might be, that might be off by maybe a year plus or mm. might, be, might be, yeah, but um, but we we know that I think it's a good time to kind of get in. Um, like a lot of people um, have been in the space 
for like someone like Niroko TV. They've been there for like over six years and consecutively six years run at a loss. Mm. Um, and they had, and, but they they've built a brand name and they've built they, and built a, I guess, a following and built subscribers and all that. And eventually, when it picks up, if it picks up, if that's the on-demand platforms pick up for them, they would be the front runner in that mm. space. That makes sense. Um, is there so? You've kind of like spoken about the stuff that you're currently doing, and I guess where your where your what your vision and your headspace is right now, um, and where where you feel like you're poised and positioned for success. Uh, let's kind of flip it a little bit and maybe uh, hear some interesting stories here. Um, so, are there any businesses out there that you have you've been associated with that you're probably a little embarrassed about? Um, that people may not know about. Maybe people may even know about. Maybe like a porn venture or aristocrats <laughs> gary or i don't know maybe like some yeah. sort of prostitution subscription service i don't know like <laughs> is no, anything no, out there I like embarrassed, about? embarrassed um not necessarily but mm. there's things that we've tried mm. the things that we tried that was were really crappy mm. you know um i kind of the thing where like for me i don't mind coming out and being sort of crappy because I know that there's still time to learn and get better because all the things that we're involved in are still like we're still kind of ahead of the curve mm. so those little crappy moments are like learning moments for us but there are some things that when we've tried to do them they are just like totally like shit horrible <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like wait we need to maybe um, take a few steps back and make sure we, we know we want to do this um, and Anything you can share? Is there any any specific example you can give of something I would, I would like? Say, I, would, I would say, um, no, because I, I'm not thinking about it, like the, that. I was, I was going to say, Aristocrat Vision. Yeah. Aristocrat Vision is um, supposed to be like our TV production, film production um, arm per se of the whole um, Aristocrat group, and we shot a couple videos in twenty. We actually had produced one video ourselves mm. back in the Burner Boy days tonight. So we got a director, got the, like, we just, we did more of the, like, got a director, got a producer, got mm. everything, put the video together. And um, that's when we kind of launched the Aristocrat Vision thing. So at the end of that um, tonight video, we see Aristocrat Vision production. So we did that. Um, and then we wanted to now go fully into that as a business on on its own. Mm. Um, this was like about, I think it was late 2014, late 20, um, 20 or early 2015. We then decided to shoot. We partnered with some, some people, tried to shoot um, a couple of videos off of, it was late, yeah, late 2014, um, off of two mixtapes that we dropped from Ozone and Mojid. Mm. Um, and I wasn't I wasn't too happy with the quality of what we what we were able to produce then. It wasn't as easy as the Burner Boy one, um, I, partially because we had a shit partner at that time, mm. um, and it just didn't come out really great. But it's something that we've also like we've come back to the drawing board, and we've I wish I could erase those videos online. <laughs> Um. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like it's not like the process, it's not like the company itself was an, it was an embarrassment. It's more like the quality of the, the product. The product, okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. So that's that's one. Um, maybe there's some artists that we've represented mm. in the past. 
um, because we also have a it, it came. Let me say, let me say how bad it is. Mm. Um, how bad it became. There's a we had a talent agency called Monarch Talent Agency, mm. and I wanted to sign a guy to. Or if somebody came to me, I didn't want to. Actually, a guy came to me for me to sign him as a back under management and everything, and um, I was like, okay. I will you we'll give you a deal under Monarch and everything. He was like, no, I don't want that. And I was like, why? Because he was like, you don't care about people on Monarch. Mm. I want to be on. I want to be on okay. an aristocrat. That monarch is where you put people. People you don't care about. I'm like, oh wow. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. dude is like, I wait. I don't see Burner Boy on on Monarch. I don't see. On monarch, so like, <laughs> he's like, nope. I don't want to be there. Yeah. That place. I don't want to be there. So, yeah. and that's because we've we've, we've in the past signed some questionable mm. talent mm. Um, to that to that brand and. Mm. It didn't come out too well. It didn't come out too well. So those are maybe the two things. But it's not not necessarily the 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 the, the companies also, but the the products or the outcome of whatever we. That's interesting, that man. The second one is really interesting in that it's kind of like not was really not your intention, but it's almost like okay, seeing that you have a you actually have a, a record label, um, and then it made so much sense where you're like, okay, I want to create this whole monarch agency thing where I can actually represent artists um and then yeah. but the artists so, are looking at so you the, like hey i want to be on your personal project not this this uh not this not yeah <laughs> so the, I mean, yeah, the monarch, monarch was birthed from that i from that concept where we were like there were, there were two things there were, there were no booking agency mm. like if you wanted to do a, a birthday party and you are not in the entertainment industry you didn't you couldn't find a place where you could just call somebody and say you know what i'm trying to book an artist mm. um i'm trying to book a a piano player, whatever. Just so kind of representing different sort of talents um, in whatever field that you can now I'll offer them, like as set up like a booking agency and then manage the talent. And because when they book them, the plan was to be able to take the artist, prepare the talent, if it was a host and everything for the okay, you're being booked for this wedding. This is the dress code. This is whatever. This is whatever. So we went. We started for, with that concept. And then evolved into like a full fledged talent management company and whatnot. Mm. Um, and we didn't, and every time, at that time, everything we had done was aristocrat, aristocrat, aristocrat. And I was just like, uh, let me do something a bit um, different. Yeah. Um, and then, so we called it Monarch Talent. We've actually, um, that's another project, another project we shut down and we're now trying to re restructure and restart. Um, same with the aristocrat vision. And so, so the, the things like the way those projects, when we try our hands at them, we know there's a need for them. We know there's a, there's a market out there, um, but maybe the, when we put put it out and the product is not great or or the quality especially is not great, yeah. um, we just take a back seat and just like you know what we're gonna rethink this and re-strategize about doing these things. Not like whenever we're gonna do them again, just it has to be it has to be right. Yeah. Um, so maybe we're, I think we're going to probably call it like aristocrat talent, so people would not yeah. tell us that they don't want to be on that again. Like they won't be seeing it like um, aristocrat is Lexus and uh, monarch is Toyota. <laughs> yeah, like you want to put me No, I don't want to drive that. I don't want to enter that car, please. Uh, all right, so. This podcast, well, everybody, I mean, those who listen to this podcast know that it's, it's predominantly sports. Um, most of the stuff we talk about, I mean, we talk, we, we discuss pretty, um, pretty much everything, 
but it's usually through the sports lens and we discuss sports more than anything else. Um, yep. You're an Arsenal fan, so I thought I'd be do something a little fun. Yes, I'm, uh, off, I'm, off, I'm off the fan bus this, <laughs> this, uh, this season. But ah, well, we're going to get still... into that too. <laughs> um, but I thought I'd talk about... I, I thought that I would... Uh, I'll do something fun and talk about some key moments in Arsenal recent history. And you tell okay. us where you were and what you were doing in that time. You know, what do you remember the most in that period? Um, what, what, what phase in life were you at that time? Um, I guess okay. the best place to start would be to start from the very beginning. Well, I guess not necessarily the beginning of Arsenal, but then the beginning of the dynasty um, with the appointment of of Arsene Wenger as manager of Arsenal. And that was in September 1996. What were you up to then? Were you even an Arsenal fan by that time? And, uh... Actually, so I think I became an Arsenal fan in 95. Mm. Okay. Uh, it was after the World Cup. I had a, I don't know why I liked the Denmark, uh, Holland team, it's a Denmark, Holland, Mm. And um, what's his name, Burkamp, and all that. Um, and also, I think that in that '95 season, there was actually I had to watch the the goal of the week thing, and there was a guy Tony Yeboa mm. um, for playing for Leeds. But for a brief moment, I was a Leeds fan. Okay, that's and interesting. He scored his spe- spectacular goals. The Ghanaian guy just be doing all sorts of fancy goals and whatever. Mm. But I think that same season, Ian Wright was um, the highest goal scorer. Mm. Played for, played for Arsenal. Arsenal yeah. Then, then Burkham joined, this is 95, then Burkham joined, I think, 95, 96 season. Um, Wenger wasn't the coach then. I think it was the next season that Wenger became the coach. And it was still Burkham and Ian Wright, and Ian Wright was still doing his scoring. I don't think they had won. They, had, they were like maybe third and fifth or just, you know, just competing. Um, then Wenger came in, then I think it was it, um, from around 97, 98, 99, I think the, the, the Vieira them joined. Then, I think when, when, when I became like a full hardcore Arsenal fan was Henri and Kanu Wanko joining Arsenal. Um, so I think that's 96. But that was, that was a bit later than that was in 96. Um, September '96. Where was I? I was in I was in Port Harcourt. Mm. I was in I was in JS2 Federal Government College, Port Harcourt. Um, what was going on in my life in '96? I'm not really. Did you even know what you wanted uh, to become uh, by then? Did you, what you, did you have a vision of? Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to go into entertainment, or or are you just like? No, but the, the funny thing was, I liked. To I, I'm, I've been always a, like a huge music fan mm. from from Diddy and whatever. Like when I now look back at that at that that ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, um, my first three years in secondary school, I was like, I can see that I could I can now see how I ended up doing what I was doing because like back then I was really really interested in all these things, but I was really good at math, so I was always in I was I was always in like in doing further math and mm. whatever, like mm. advanced math science and whatnot. Student. My dad was a science student type yeah. thing. Even though I think I was more SS1, but 
I was always like, come on in France and whatever thing. Yeah. I'm always taking extra math classes and trying to be advanced in all the math thing. My dad thought I was going to be an engineer. Mm. They used to call me doctor too. So at that time Boom. too, they thought I was going to be a doctor or engineer. Um, but my, I think I wouldn't, I didn't even know my passions were around. I started throwing parties in Jess to Jess three. I think we first, one of the first parties we threw was at one of our friends' house, houses. We all, we all put money together and threw like a, that's about maybe like a couple months from like early 97. Mm. Actually, mm. put money together to throw a party at the friend's house and all that. And we're just all, I was just all about the being in the social scene and making friends and everything and whatnot. So I wasn't really doing much with myself then. I think I was still very, very, yeah. just going, yeah. going yeah, just going through life as, yeah, yeah. this is life. You were just I mean, a teenager by then, yeah, it's like. Yeah. Just, but did yeah, you, did you feel like you like, looking back on it, do you feel, because at that age, right, um, every, everyone, like every kid or most kids love music. But though, though, it is true though, that there are clearly those that are more fanatic about, um, fanatical about music. Um, than others who are really deep into it and really like deconstructing and passionate about music um could you of, tell yeah, then I, why I, you I, are that on like you are that on that spectrum versus other people yeah because like one of the reasons like it being like my partner at midas radio mm. um one of the reasons we're friends is because i knew how to rap gangsters paradise <laughs> by Kovio. You know, I think, I, yeah, it was just like, it's just those kind of things where he was like, I don't know why he found that exciting or cool, yeah. but it was that kind of, he was also like a very into music and all those kind of things too, but um, I was about, like, I would know every, the Snoop, the, mm. all the gist, all the entertainment news and all that, I would be on it, like channel, was it channel O or was it Bob at that time, I'm not really sure what station was was on them but i was i was on all i was in deep mm. in the in the music the music thing and everything especially the hip-hop music that was like my 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 thing um hip-hop music some of some i also like tlc a lot i don't know why no oh, yeah <laughs> yeah i used to like TLC was there a particular lot. character um, what was a character or, or group member i think that's time Oh yeah, okay. I think left side. Yeah, uh, kind of like I with that whole hip hop vibe. Okay, she's the rapper. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I'd like. I'd like the. I think that was it. Yeah, that was probably it. Mm. So I uh, left. Um, then of course Diddy and and Biggie and Mace and all of them as they came up and everything was was um it was that was that was my thing. I think my even like getting into Nigerian music was more of like late nineties. Okay. Like into like ninety eight, nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine. Um, a cousin gave me a tribesman tape. Yeah, and I was just so I was like, man, these guys are Nigerian and they are rapping like the American guys. Yeah, and they, and they sounded cool. So tribesmen and plantation boys were my were my um no actually remedies was my intro to to um to Nigerian music. Mm. Um, but where I really like. Was like found out was tribesmen, yeah. yeah, because they had more like Western sound. Even though remedies did try were trying to be Western, but uh, not quite. 
yeah i can't say i can't say i really got into (laughs) like uh, remedies or plantation boys but i really liked tribesman kind of similar journey too i I, when i got a hold of um tribesman's album i was like damn these guys are nice and they're niger are you serious um oh by the way speaking of tlc i'm yet to meet someone that most people used to crush on left eye or chili I need to find like a I need to find like a T boys guy like a guy who was like man T boys was my chick. I don't know if there's anybody like that, but yeah, <laughs> I think Chili was the most popular one. Yeah. For guys and left eye, then I don't think anybody really. Oh no, she she wasn't she like the lead in the group. I she was. Group, but I don't know. I don't. That's that's really. She was supposed to be the Beyonce, but yeah, didn't really work, didn't really work out like that. I guess back then. Um, but yeah, that was that was I think that was where. I'll just say that was my still just discovering myself ninety six, late ninety six, mm. um, going to ninety seven, still discovering myself and getting into like figuring out what I really wanted to do. Okay, so let's fast forward, right? So then I think Arsenal was in the same phase at that time. They were just still getting their their, their act together. That's true. That's true. The new new era, trying to figure themselves out. Got a new manager who was yeah. going to give them direction. Yeah, that's it. That, that's 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 actually a very good point. Um, so fast forward to um, a time when Arsenal seemed to have figured themselves out. They had an identity and they went on to become the Invincibles. Two thousand and three to two thousand and four. Arsenal go on this unbeaten streak um, and have a, an entire season where they are unbeaten. Um, no team has done that um, ever, at least till up till now. Uh, where were you then? How closely were you following that campaign? How did you feel about that campaign? And what were you up to in your personal life at that time? So I was disconnected from that campaign because I, I, I fell off um, the soccer bandwagon when I moved to Oklahoma mm. and the timing of the games... Um, and all that and everything and just getting school and readjusting. Mm. So I'd moved to America, of course, um, catching up with games and everything. Because I could really, uh, I think, just find out the scores, the, this thing. I, I knew about the, the Invisible Run. I think I, I had to kind of catch up towards the end to see when everybody was waiting to see if we were going to break the record and everything. So that was why I really followed Arsenal in that period. Um, but at that time, I, I think... For me, 2003, um, I was in my second year of um, of uni. I had um, I cl- I actually had started Aristocrat by then. Mm. Oh wow! Enough. Yeah, I actually the first person again that I mentioned Aristocrat to, which was like in 2001, 2002, was 2001, 2001 ABA. Um, I I really had no idea you guys were that close. Like you guys were, you guys have been tied since. Pretty much for kids. Yeah, we've been tight since, since for kids, since yeah. secondary school. Like we, we've been really, really close. Yeah. Um, like we've gone, we've drifted apart. And like when he moved to Russia, yeah. I moved to America. But he's one, he's one of those friends where, like, I, if we if we meet today, if I speak to today, it's just like we didn't, we just pick up from yesterday. Yeah. Or whatever, wherever we left off and everything. So, yeah, we've been we've been really, really, really close since then. So, um. I, I had um my first year in America. I got there two thousand and two. Um I I think my everybody else, my sister and my brother went back. I got there in, in December, my sister and my brother went back in this in um I got there in August. 
My sister and brother went back in December uh, for a funeral. And I was like, I didn't want to go back because I just came in August. So mm. I was stuck in Oklahoma in December 2002 by myself, um, cold, freezing. Wow. Uh, didn't have a license, so I couldn't drive. So I was, I, was, I was indoors a lot. I was watching a lot of TV, just trying to... I, I think that was that, that first year. Um, in my mind, always, I thought I was going to... I was there as an engineering student. Mm. I, I thought I was going to go go be an engineer, finish doing engineering, work a couple of years, um, save up a couple... couple make, make it like 100000 a year. Now the amount in my head. Mm. Then, um, and then work for a couple of years and then go back to Nigeria and get involved in politics. Oh, for um, real? Yeah, that was that was the plan. That yeah. was the plan. When I, but I think getting there, uh, I'm still trying to connect to find out what's going on in Nigeria and the politics, in, especially in Riverside, that started going a bit left and violent. <laughs> um, <laughs> you were like, oh, you guys are doing guns now? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, People like they're getting people are getting killed, yeah, um, and everything, and it just it just didn't wasn't really as appealing as and as interesting as it was when I was still in Port Harcourt. Mm. Um, so I, I I lost a lot of interest in the political space and whatnot. I was still say, okay, engineering, I'll do this and whatever. I was trying to kind of figure out what I'll do, what I'll do, but I ninety percent of my time was spent watching VH1 and reading up about the music industry mm. um, and whatnot and that and that and whatever. And I decided, you know what? This entertainment thing seems like like where it was and the, I'll see the red carpet, the whatever. I'm like, Nigeria is so, so, so far behind mm. um, in this place, in this, in this industry that I think that would be a great place to make a, a mark, mm. you know, come in and, you know, try and help them come forward, like seeing whatever. So I became extremely obsessed in the entertainment business, would read, would send people messages, ask questions, random people. Like I would even, there's one point in time I would send this guy, Obi Asika, the Facebook message, mm. message this person, just be questioning, talking to people that I knew that were in the business and whatever, and just doing this research. And I had a book and I started writing down everything I wanted to do. Uh, in the entertainment business and then I was looking for a name I was like yeah everything's going to be aristocrat so the the idea for that kind of came in that 2002 going into 2003 in 2003 I, I think I started working actually going working with artists started producing music um, I used to produce I used to write um, so I teamed up with the, this, the two the twin brothers um, Taiwan Kane they kind of t- um, Taiwan was a rapper Kendi was a producer. So me and Kendi would produce the music together. I would play this thing. Kendi would play the drums. And we started, I started kind of managing the... I was my, I was the kind of manager of the trio. So me, Kaidi, and, and this thing, we booked our first studio session. Um, I think the So was it just... So, so Taiwo was the artist. Like, he was he the only one... Um, was it like you? He was the guy, and you guys were kind of just the production company behind his music, like kind of like whatever his so, stage name was. It was what he was being pushed out into world as, or was it like a like a group that you know, like how NERD is, I guess, except for you know, assuming for was, was it was like yeah, so 
he he was the uh, he was the artist and we were the producers. Okay. Uh, and then I took kind of took the role of like manager mm. uh, per se, and then that was when that so that 2003 September was when I was um, was I transferred to University of Oklahoma. That's where we met. That's where we started working on music. Me and Ty were taking a a computer science class together mm. and everything. So that's how we connected. Met his brother. Met a lot of new people. So we just started working on music. The first song that we recorded was a song called "To Get the Clapping." Mm. I think, yeah. What's what's that about? Is that like hey, a stripper man, song, or is that like a "I'm about to do something" song? I just it's about like if when you when you step out of line, you get the clapping type, okay. <laughs> type thing or whatever. Um, so that was the first song that we recorded, and then it was just a bunch of us just friends in uni and all that um getting together i also like i also got a lot of, i got involved with the african students association on campus mm-hmm. um but more in the putting together like the events i think i worked with them on the um african queen pageant doing like technical support and everything and putting things together everything i just wanted to like anything that had to do with like entertainment or putting a show together or just that had to do with that um, from I started just getting involved in that um, so yeah that's what I was my 2003 so again it's kind of like a I wasn't an invincible run but it was a coming of coming of like age and discovering myself per se Papa, what I wanted to do Papa Smurf was born then basically yeah, um, basically yeah basically did you i guess I, i'm just curious about this point um I, i'm wondering what kind of music software we're using then because i assume you do you play an instrument or was it really just your interest in music you did you found software that Never. allowed you transition to like channel tra- fruity like loops. fruity loops there you go uh, All right. I, was on, I was on fruity loops never played an instrument i maybe did i think when i was my younger my my mom at one time had her sick um piano classes or something. Somebody came and said that they wanted to come and teach us how to play the piano and uh, I know how to play the national anthem, mm. Nigerian national anthem. Um, that's about it. That's all I, I picked from that. But um, it was just more of figuring out like how, what I wanted the sound to be like. I was good with melodies. I was good at coming up with melodies, but when it came to the drumming, drumming, I was really, really crap. Oh, yeah? Um, so I, yeah, I was terrible. Like, I would put a crazy melody or whatever, but to put the drums to it would just be very, very weak. Um, and then, but Kende was the drummer. I see. So I would take the beat, I would take it to him, and he would now add the drums to it and everything. And now I was like, man, this was fire <laughs> at that time. But after a while, I then learned to... I got sample drum kits and I would use the drum kits and then play over the drum kits and stuff like that. So it was, it was self-taught mm. and whatnot. And I did, I, I produced for, I produced for a while. Um, but then I had a friend too in Philly that came, he moved to, he moved to America from Porto Accord and we would talk and we would talk about music and everything. And he wanted to also produce and he picked up Fruity Loose and he would just produce like, Beats ten times better than me. I was the one teaching how to use fruity loops, <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, <laughs> I was like, what's going on here?" Um, and 
he was so he did that and after a while I was still producing, I was still writing, I'll produce songs, I'll write, I'll have ideas for the songs. I'll write uh Met Kaya Day with my partner now. Um we then formed I I gave him a, I actually wanted to manage him. Hmm. I sent I gave him a contract. Um David Gates Kaya Day is a rapper. Yeah, Kaido was a rapper, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I gave him a I gave him a contract for aristocrats to sign to like the management, whatever. And he was like, Okay, no problem, I'll sign he never signed the contract and, and till today I always tell him I never signed my contract. Because <laughs> I, I put I put work into that contract. I put I had the cover page and everything. Yeah. He <laughs> was like, Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, but he came and was like and we, he would come and I would I would make beats and he would rap and whatever and we're just thing then I think he then said Aristocrat Records. I was just like, yeah, let's go with that. Mm. Let's run that. And that was like um, where it started from again. With That's where the Aristocrat Records itself started from and whatever. Because I was just like, oh, man, I didn't even tell this guy I wanted to do that. But he just came up with that. I said, whoa, that's, that's dope. This is my artist. Contract or no contract. Mm. Um, <laughs> so we... <laughs> So we started, we started, we, we did that, and then my friend in Philly would be sending fire beats. Yeah. Better than my beats and yeah. everything. And I'm just like, what the hell am I doing here? And, um, one of his friends joined. I think, I, I think along that, along the, along the way, I think I, um, my system crashed. Um, and I, I, I put it in my trunk. I'll be going to work and it will be there. I'll just drop it off for them to fix it. And one day I had an accident, had a car car accident, car got totaled, the system got, the system was gone. Wow. Um, so during that process of like my recovery and all of that, when it came back, I think I had like about 200 beats and a bunch of ideas for songs that written down or whatever. That kind of just, just discouraged me. But I sat down and was like, you know what, just to be honest with myself, I'm not really that great of a producer, mm. you know. I, I'm I'm all right. I'm decent, but um, my my skill and my talent seem to be more in just putting the putting it together, the management, the getting like finding the artist and all of that and everything. So I was just like, you no, know, I'm going to actually focus on being the manager and CEO, mm. um, and then yeah, got producers to produce. Did you signed that guy. Your guy in Philly. No, I didn't actually. Hmm. I, I didn't sign him. Um, we got another producer from a guy, a guy called Dog Nomad in Dallas, but Bernard also sent us send us some beats and everything. Was that so bad? Belay, was that bad? Belay with the guy in Philly, like like man, I ain't gonna sign this guy. <laughs> he's he's outshining me on the beats, yeah. or the guy just wasn't looking to no, get no, signed. No, no, no. The funny thing about it was like I don't think he he didn't. He never really took. That, that's I, again another annoying thing. He never really took the music thing as serious uh, as I did. Nobody, nobody, none of them actually. Yeah. Kaede included. Kaede, all the guys that were working with me. Maybe the closest that there's a guy that was a singer, Tunde, mm. that might have been as passionate. Me and Tunde got into an argument once and uh, almost a fight because he, he refused to go to the studio to record his songs. And I was, I was the one that was extremely passionate mm. about. The whole thing. I I I would get into arguments with them um, about just like they don't like. I'll be trying to explain to them what I'm trying to do, and they're just like guys in college. are just trying to yeah, have fun yeah. with the music and everything. But I was like me. I was already having contracts. I was already 
in the house for me since this is the business i'm yeah. in it yeah you know yeah. i'm not I'm, this I, is not I, a I game was really, really it was not a game for me yeah. what i wanted to do i was really really upset i think in by like a couple of years ago, like 2007 they quit everybody quit or uh, um like everybody was just like you know what man i'm gonna go and I have my masters to go and do or <laughs> whatever it was at that point in time and i was like no i'm not quitting I was like, yo, even if I had to be the artist myself, mm. this is what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to do it. I actually wrote an entire mixtape that summer. Oh, for that real? Down. Like, like yeah, wrote it. you are going to rap and stuff? or I was going to rap and stuff. I was just like, you know what, forget these guys. Yeah, I'm going to do this wait. solo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do this solo. You guys don't you guys don't understand what's going on. <laughs> and at that time the music thing was picking up in Nigeria and I'm like trying to point to them and say, Look at what is happening. Yeah. Look at what is coming. Look at what is this thing and everybody's just like I beg this thing and whatever. But Taiwo, I think Taiwo was Taiwo was a rapper and he was mm. when I was doing work on the mix table, come and work on music with me, but it wasn't really, I don't think he took it that serious. Yeah. One guy they quit and um Tunde was just doing his own thing. Everybody just kinda of just went ahead with life and I was just like, All right, cool, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it myself. Gonna keep on rapping mm. if I have to. Mm. I'm just gonna do this, do this my own way because I was like I was really, really confident. I was really, I really believed in what I what I wanted to do or what what was going to come from the industry per se. Um, were you nice? That, were you nice? Person. Nice on the mic? Were you nice as a rapper? Or were you like? Nah, nah, <laughs> nah, I can't, I can't, I can't lie to myself. I was, I, I was, I was okay. Yeah, I was okay. I, I always, I always say that I, I'm the guy you want in the room that will tell you the your uh, your bars. Give you ideas. Not, yeah, I'll give yeah. you ideas. I'll give you, I'll give you whatever. Yeah. But give you I'm some. Not, you give you, you give not, like not, nice, not, nice four bars, and then nice four bars. I was just like, yeah. Like, I'll tell you, yeah, just say that there, yeah, or whatever. I'll do my diddy, I'll do my diddy thing, but it wasn't was it me on the mic. Mm, no, yeah, I wasn't the one. I wasn't the one for that. So I think mm. that that's like that. That was that period. All that's from 2003 down to about. That I was like, I just gave it like a four year period. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm actually I'm more surprised. Guy there was a rapper. He looks like uh and sounds like a guy who's got like a a good sixteen Kyde, on Kyde, him. Kyde is is um Kaide is Drake. He was Drake before Drake. Oh, for real? Before, but yeah, he was doing the rap singing thing and he would do a rap song and he would go and all of a sudden become LL Cool J and do the ladies ladies man and sing and whatever and all that. So when when Drake came out, um it was and that's one thing I that's one thing I always liked the like somebody that could rap and sing. Yeah. So that's what one of one that sold me on Burner mm. when I met him the first mm. time. Mm. He was actually a rapper, but he could sing. And I was like, man, I just met this guy that was like Drake. Mm. So, yeah, so that was like, a, that was, so Kaede was like, kind of like a inspiration. What, what I what I liked about Kaede as an artist back then was what I kind of saw in Burner when I met him. That's interesting. I guess that's, that's, that's kind of cool. So you kind of had that, early vision then that that hybrid is where you wanted to go um i guess you know great that you actually worked i'll say like four years period where it kind of the beginning and somewhat of the let's not say the end but the hibernation of aristocrats 
Then you moved back yeah. to Nigeria in like 2009. Um, what was the motivation be- behind that move? It kind of coincided with the demise of Arsenal, actually, if you think about it. Um, what was that transition yeah. like <laughs> for you? And uh, well, um, did you have a vision for how you wanted things to be and then it ended up being different? Like, What was that like? I, I did have like a different um, idea. I, when I was even moving back, so I was um, after like 2008, got done with school. Um, I started working at Dell early 2009. I was in like premium client premium support or something, um, and I and my mind was like, you know what, I'm going to actually do this music thing for real now. Now I have a job, you know, I'll take money, mm. keep money aside, invest in it and whatnot, and do this thing out here and whatnot. But um, that nine to five life was draining. It was like it, it was like I would Preach. wake up at six a.m., drive to the office, and my by the time I got back, my entire day was gone. Mm. Uh, so, the, so the dream of like being able to work and make money now you're done with school and um, and do your pa- and fund your passion yeah. wasn't just wasn't just happening. Um, I visited Nigeria before I actually started work for the first time in eight years. So maybe six or eight years. I moved to America in two thousand eight, two thousand six years. First time in six years. I never moved I never came back to um to Nigeria in six years. Wow. So first time in six years, December two thousand eight, came to Nigeria, um, got deceived by the December crowd and the life <laughs> in December. <laughs> Ah, so that, that, like a note to people don't get deceived yeah. what you see in December is not representative of what Nigeria is really like exactly please <laughs> do not if you, if you want to make if you want to decide to come back to Nigeria come and visit us maybe in like February <laughs> or something <laughs> like February like May those times when mm. like it's just it's real where Nigeria is Nigeria mm. where there's not everything is all happy and joyous and there's life and everybody's all excited and things are going on so i came back i visited that that december and i visited lagos so there was so much activity in lagos yeah club hopping um moving around and seeing like range rovers after range rovers Whoa. now i've been in oklahoma <laughs> for like six years and seeing a range rover at that point in time was a big deal yeah because it's the football players and the, and the stars are driving the Range Rovers and the Bentleys. Yeah. But get to, get to Lagos and it's like Range Rover, Bentley, Range Rover, Range Rover. Range. And it's, I'm just like, what is going on in this country? Uh, and seeing that, and we're, then we're going for, like, we went club hopping because mm, of what they do in Lagos. You know, mm, this club, this club, this club, or this wedding, then this club, this club. And I'm like, wow, this is like LA mm, or Vegas. Mm, all the, I'm like, is, is this really Nigeria? and whatnot. And Kaede just seemed so like, yeah, this is what we do. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Kaede had moved back by then. No, no, Kaede was in, no, he, was in, he grew up in Lagos, so oh, just, okay, he was okay. there. And he would go back, he used to go back more, he'd go back every Christmas or every other Christmas. Okay. So it was a regular thing for for him, that mm. Christmas in Lagos life and whatever. So I'm like, man, this is, this is a different, this is not, this is not Oklahoma. Mm. This, is, this is far, far from being Oklahoma. So I, I got excited. I saw the radio, TV, what was going on. I'm not just like, man, it's been, it was my mind was like bigger than what I ever imagined. Yeah. The industry to be like, I'm like, wow, this thing is actually moving faster than possible. 
uh, than I thought. Um, then I then I spoke to a friend of mine. Um, he had a label in Port Harcourt, Latte. Um, I think we were chatting on Facebook when I went back to to America, mm. and he was not telling me that yeah, the cement industry is growing and blah blah and this and that, and the doors might soon close. Oh wow! Why? What was? Yeah, like was... his idea was like it was going to get to a point um, where if you are not in and you have not established yourself, mm. you wouldn't. It would be a struggle for you to break in. It has happened. That same that same phenomenon he's talking about has happened, but it didn't happen until like maybe like two three years ago. I see. Yeah, where like it's almost like if you had not if you had not established your name or brand yeah. or footing in the industry by this time, breaking in at that breaking in would be a very very difficult thing. Like, like like the talent um, knows who the names like who the real. Uh, for, I guess for yeah. lack of a better term, kingmakers are, and they're like, okay, I know this guy can really groom me and turn me into something. Mm-hmm. Has a, okay, and this exactly. is like, if you're a new guy with just, just being a new guy with money is not good enough. You actually have to have like a resume. Not good enough. I see. Resume and everything. So I, I think that was what you, that's what was what we were referring to. Mm. So I took that, and again, a lot of people, a lot of people would say, you know, I, I looked at it and I said, you know what? Um, I'm here, either I go to a master's, or I go back to Nigeria. Mm. And in my mind, I was like, I'd rather go back to Nigeria and maybe spend five years. In my mind, I told myself I was going to be in Nigeria for five years mm. and build a foundation for myself. Then I can come back out here and do my master's or whatever and then come back to Nigeria. Um, I was going to go to law school and study entertainment, um, sports and entertainment law. Mm. That was the plan. But that was going to be three years. It was going to be three years in law school mm. and a one year, one year LLM. So that's four years. I'm like, you know what? Instead of me spending that four years, five years, let me go do that. Let me go back to Nigeria, mm. put things in place, just understand the system, kind of get myself ingrained there. Because one thing I noticed when I went back in in um, 2008 December was that I had not experienced Nigeria as an adult. Like I didn't, I didn't. That makes sense. Like, my my years in Nigeria were just being from secondary school, school yeah. in a house, friends' houses, friends' parties, and whatnot. I've not really been a adult in that country. Yeah, like I didn't have a bank account. I'd not done anything. Like like whatever. So I was like, yeah, no, let me go there. Let me actually understand this place called Nigeria as a grown man. You know, not as a as, as a kid and everything. So I went back. Um, moved back in like August of 2009 um, and the first year or two, about the first year, I just took time to just kind of, it took me like everything in Nigeria takes, it takes forever before you register your company, <laughs> before you open a, <laughs> open a bank account, before you do it. So it, it's just that process of, of doing that and luckily for me, um, I got to, exp- in that year, I got to experience the, the different places in, in Nigeria. Because I first moved back, I moved to Abuja. And a lot of my friends moved back and moved to Abuja. Because, you know, Abuja was a lot, um, a lot of guys that I went to secondary school with, their choice of where they were doing NYSE was Abuja. Mm-hmm. So I moved back, I moved to Abuja. I was working with my dad um, and then just trying to set things up for myself and just kind of understand what was going on and everything. Um, so Abuja in in, in um, 2009, um, then about 
early 2000, we then spent a spent about a month from 2009 to, to like middle of 2010. Um, we were in Abuja. Then we then spent a month in in um, in Lagos, like summer of 2010. So I got to be in Lagos, see all the places. Beat FM had launched by then. Just you know, just seeing what was going on, mm. more entertainment thing. One of my friends, well, I was one told that was um, well, she was in Muna. She was a beauty queen, was not sure the rapper. Mm. Just seeing what was going on and everything. Um, then moved back to Portacon in September of 2010. Um, then by October of 2010, I figured kind of figured things out. I actually registered a company, was doing business here and there. I'd made some money and I was like, no, okay, I want to actually invest in and start up something yeah. for myself. Um, aside from working for my dad, and I was like, the only thing I know, the only thing I know what, how to do well is this music thing. Music, yeah. So, music. So, 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 October 2010, I decided, um, after my, it was my birthday, I was like, you know what, I'm going to get back into the music business and all that. Actually, funny enough, that same night, I was at a presidential hotel in Port Harcourt. Um, somebody brought Bernard to me to introduce him to me as an artist because I had been talking about music and music and whatever. Mm. So one guy called Jay Biff, he was part of the Drop Boys, Drop Boys, Drop Boys Entertainment, brought Brenner to me, but I was still kind of, I was not even paying attention to him. They just brought this guy that had an accent, a British accent. I was mm. like, who's this? Mm. I bet. Move on. Um, <laughs> That's kind of funny. You're like, man, I really want to go into this entertainment thing. I'm focused. I'm focused. And they bring you a guy like, not you. I'm focused. I'm focused. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, yeah, I was like, who's this guy? I bet. I bet this guy. Um, so I really want to, um, so I'm like there and, um, so throughout that, I think that week or the week, the week, the week I was preceding that, I was always I was asking around. I'm looking for an artist. I'm looking for a producer. Mm. Uh, and these names kept on coming. I was like, oh, there's this guy. There's this guy that just came back. This guy just came back. Check him out. Check him out. Check him out. Um, he happened to be friends with one of my really close friends, Truby. He was family friends with Truby. Mm. So, Truby, I then spoke to Truby, and Truby was my business partner on. We were doing like um logistics contracts for total mm. so she was a partner on that so i was talking to him and he was like this guy just came back go and check him out i didn't call i was like wait i've heard that name i didn't call the jb guy that brought him i was like yo who is that guy that you came came with? i was like oh mm. this guy's check him out and whatever but then he then sent me his number i give him a call and he's like oh i've been waiting for you i'm waiting for your call uh... I'm like, okay I'm, I shit you not. I was like, that's, I was, that's like, major confidence. Like, bro, what's up? It's been, you took yeah, too like, long. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for a call. Like, like, oh, okay, cool. Where, where can we meet up? So we then, he told me where he was going to be at. It was going to be at um, the Joe Boy studio. Mm. I drove down there, met him, played music for me, played the song for me. I asked him, oh, did you do this? Because he told me he came out from London. Did you do this in London? He said, no. One producer in Portaco, what's his name? He said, Blerick. Mm. I was like, oh, I've heard that name before. Um, again, he just playing music, playing music. I was like, all right, cool. I'm sold. Mm. What's next? He was mm. like, oh, his mom is his manager. That I will have to go and see him. Let's go and see his mom. Mm. So me and him actually, we actually left the studio that night and drove to to GRA to try and see his mom, mm. but she was sleeping. And on the car ride, I think that's one thing I would never ever forget. Mm. <laughs> he said to me that, see. 
all I'm looking for is somebody that's I I he said I tend to my head tends to get all over the place and scattered and mm. I just think of somebody that can keep, make sure my head remains on my shoulder mm. and I'm like if that's if that's it mm. no problem mm. I got you I got you <laughs> I know what else I get so it was like cool I couldn't see his mom that day but took a couple of days we met his mom we talked and everything couple months and everything then from that October till around November December we were we were done. His first song came out December two thousand and seven. Mm. Yeah, that's like you guys are working. <laughs> You're like, yeah. this is my vision. I want to go here. Boom, 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 boom. And it just that's that's cool, man. It, 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 I think that at, at that point in time, it, you know, like throughout like my from two thousand and nine to two thousand and ten, mm. I was still always like looking out for artists and talking to artists and everything. Yeah, I met some guys in Abuja when I was there. It just never really worked out. I met some other guys in Portaco. There was a guy called Teddy Ralix and whatever. It was like a singing type, singing R&B type guy. Mm. One thing or other, it just never really worked out. So I'd, I'd been like talking to artists. I was still very, because I, it was just something I was passionate about. So I was still in the studio. That's how I met the J-Biff guy. Mm. You know, just music. Were you in the studio face. lurking? I say lurking. Were, were you looking for an, someone to sign in the studio? Or were you just like... Just wanted to be around the creative was, process, or were I you? I wanted to be around the creative process. I wanted okay. to see what was going on. I wanted mm. to understand this thing. I liked the Draw Boys, their music. Um, it was cool. Like I knew people that knew them. They had some cool songs. They had some with Timaya at that time. Too. They're not so, the ones that take one beer like, from my head. Are those, those, is those guys? I'm take not. What song is that again? Head now. Take one beer from. No, 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 no. That's um, the IBs. Oh yes, okay. It's not the job boys. So like, <laughs> no, they are they're not they are not the job boys. Okay. I don't know what what is the, what is the IB stands I'm not sure what they uh, what that even stands for right now. But yeah. I I just been around the scene, um, meeting people just the same way I was when I was in America, just meeting people, talking to people, asking people questions, mm. learning how to just just understanding how things work and everything. Um but I wasn't I I, I never wanted to at that point in time. Um, get into the industry mm. because my my mind was first of all just dealing with Nigeria and settling in Nigeria and figuring out how I was going to make money and just dealing with all those things. I I think I even I from my, at some points I wanted to go back to America, you know. So it wasn't. Oh yeah, what that. was it? What was what made you? What was the moment that made you feel like, man, I'm done with this? I really I I think I'm ready to just go back. Was it a particular issue? I mean, was it like a collective of like a a build up of different issues that are like, man, I can't take this anymore. It was a build up of different it was a build up of different issues, but um it was a build up of different issues, but it was also I think one of the things was I I lived a very independent life mm. when I was in America. I wasn't really dependent on my on my folks uh for anything or for support and all that. Mm. Um and coming back and living in Nigeria where everything seems like if you don't have that that cushion or that that support, you can't do anything. You know, it's 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 like you see seen you literally you look at look around and saying like, well it you, it's great to have that advantage and I appreciate the advantage because some people don't have it. Um we don't have that support and everything but for someone that like at one point in time I just wanted to be 
be my own man and do my own thing. And then you come back to a country where you can't get anything done. You need somebody to help you do this. Mm. You need somebody to help. You need to know somebody and whatever. It's not about proficiency. It's about who you know. It just becomes very, very like, what am I doing here? Mm. Um, if, yeah, if, if, I'm, so, I'm better, if, if I need... So to that point, let me ask if you this. I need, is is this is because i mean that's a really interesting point right um it's kind of frustrating where you go from a place where everything really works and at the end of the day um your personal hustle and energy and and independence kind of can take you somewhere you can kind of you can move yourself if you will like you have the ability yeah. to move yourself um so in nigeria is a little bit different now would you say um for kind of like people who are thinking about it and listening, would you say that having support, like let's say it's family support and you know whatever, whatever your whatever it is that you can lean on, is it a good thing to have that, or is it typically like a bad thing, which it kind of holds you back and you're almost like at the mercy of of those people or that support system? I think I think a lot of people that have fallen like. Have become have fallen to be like victims to that support system. Mm. If you're not an independent-minded person, you can you can just be comfortable. You can get comfortable because they are depending on where you're from or who, who, or what kind of support system you have. You know, it it can be like we have a we I think in Nigeria there's a very extended family type system yeah. where this family or somebody in the, it's always somebody looking out for you or somebody there that you can go to for help. Or whatever, and it's it's not a bad thing because it's a developing country mm. and things don't really work. So it's you need those you need the support, but you cannot let the support become your only like form of livelihood or 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 base your or base your life off that support. I've seen a lot of people that base their lives off of okay, this is what my family has. Mm. So this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. What do I'm going to, I'm just going to manage this and whatever. It's not trying to, they're not trying to add or do their own thing or, or just, or even just think outside the box. Yeah. It's just like, oh, if it's not, if, if, if the reason why my family is doing this, I'm just going to do this. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stress myself to do anything else because it will be stressful to me to try to do something else in Nigeria. Guaranteed. You know, uh... if you, if people just, it's like going outside to say, oh, okay, uh, I want to do X and your family cannot support you in doing that X. They don't know anybody in that. Uh, okay, you want to go and be a banker. Mm. Um, your parents don't have any connections in the bank. They don't know anybody in the bank. And you want to just go there and just hustle your way and feel like you're going to climb up the ladder. You know, it will be quite frustrating for you to do that without those calls or those Oh, help my help my help my friend help my son help yeah, my brother yeah. type situations so it's, it's that kind of thing where i want to start a business okay you can't and I, I don't know i don't blame i don't blame the parents that they found what worked for them so if you go and tell them oh i want to start a, a business i want to open a music whatever it sounds foreign to them yeah you don't know anything about the, about that and everything so you if if they're not supportive of it it's i don't i don't take it as a thing as they don't want to support you i just think that, i think i think that they don't understand yeah they don't what, know what, what they don't know yeah you know and they don't have anybody that can even 
call like, oh, this one, if your uncle is a musician, you know, go and meet him. He will help you out with this and he'll help you out with that and he'll help you out with this or whatever. So it's, and that's the kind of society, like, I've, funny enough, I've now become that uncle that anybody that um, is in the music business, <laughs> in the office, <laughs> the family, they will say, oh, go and meet uh, yeah, Pri. Yeah. He's, 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 he's doing this, he can help you and whatever. <laughs> Um, I'm, you get calls from you get calls from uncles and aunties and cousins that I, I sing in school. Though my has really good voice. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, that's nice. That's great. That's, I I really, really like wonderful. I really yeah. like what you said there, right? Because it's almost like I think sometimes we it's easy or what we typically say is is that I guess you kind of almost blame your parents or almost say like you know, I guess the typical thing they just don't understand but from a negative perspective but it's it really is that and it's not necessarily a negative thing they don't understand they don't know any better they haven't seen it yeah. before all they can speak to is their own truth and what they've seen work and their own path to success so that's what they can guide you on but then like to your point the minute, the minute they actually see a success story in that other field they're like quick to they're quick to re respect that and um refer other people to that like okay yeah if you if you now if you're not looking at that path and say like okay let's say for example um your parents have built an empire or whatever business of of engineering um they're like okay uh, engineering i got this yeah, entertainment yeah go engineering, meet yeah. engineering will be your only they would like look you can't do anything if you're yeah. not an engineer this country is not for you yes. like, <laughs> yeah yeah you know that that kind of thing i think my, my mom bless her heart was really really supportive and tried to support even though i knew she didn't understand mm. what i was doing so any any but anywhere she felt that she could support you she could help she tried to help but i i could see i could tell that she didn't no one, but she didn't want to tell me not to do it. Yeah. Or she didn't want to tell me not to not to try. So she would just be saying things like, "So you're going to go do your master's, Abi? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is just temporary, yeah, right? You just you're just messing around, yeah, right? Is, you're just messing around. That thing. If you're working, you're working with your dad, and you're doing this on yeah. the side. It's just like a hobby. Yeah. It's not anything bad or anything. Yeah. But so I know you're okay. Maybe in like after you say you want to go back and do masters, no problem. So like that and whatever. I think it it did, even while the the thing was was working in Portacord and Bernard was becoming really popular in Portacord. It didn't really phase them mm. because to them, I think at one point in time that I had a conversation with her and she was talking about there's a musician that when during their birthday party, the musicians that they would invite these bands and everything, and they'll pay them 50k, 80k. So she didn't really see what the value of an artist was mm. because from her own perspective. The people that come and sing at the parties and whatever mm. were just they'll just give them change. Like yeah. they take go on go on nice or whatever and they would dance uh, yeah, hired help and whatever. It wasn't anything yeah. special or whatever. Yeah. Then she saw I think one time she saw um Burner on no on AIT. Mm. And so this guy is on T V. What's going on here? Then um, I think the, the turning point was uh, when he got his glow ambassadorship and she saw the recharge card mm. with his face on it. And she's like, okay, this is, this must be, this is something here mm. and whatever. So, mm. and just seeing that, okay, it's gone from being in one of our, our BQ to he's on a glow recharge card or he's on, he's on national TV at, 
in the night when they're showing news and whatever, they're like, okay, um, this must be something serious or whatever. Yeah. And then me being able to wake up and just say, you know what, I'm moving to Lagos to go and do this thing full time. And they're like, okay, you, you don't need anything from us. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the that's when they re- realize that okay, there's actually something else. There's something there's more to it than yeah. appearance than the birthday singers and the church singers yeah. and the choirs. Then you officially became the music, the entertainment uncle. Is there anybody who's going to? Uncle at that point, <laughs> I didn't buy that one. Anything that had to do with music, I had to do with sound and speakers. Even if I didn't know, they would ask me. Call me this speakers. Want to buy speakers? Yeah. Are they great? I'm like, yeah. Sure. You can take my advice for it. Those speakers are really good. Hey, hey, Priya said so. Priya said those speakers are good. And yeah. hey, he knows what he's talking good. about. That's his industry. He's a music guy. He's a music <laughs> I mean, that's really, that's cool stuff, man. I mean, I think uh, if any, if anything, I, I guess the the little tidbits of knowledge there about moving back is uh if i'm going to sum it up one don't don't use what you see in december as a reference point uh as to you know to what nigeria is like and what life will be like if you move back um so that's one thing i guess the second thing is um I guess it's kind of like almost like a crossroads thing. You can either choose, if you're moving back, you can either choose to follow the path your parents have laid before you. But if you're going to follow your own path with passion, um, your own, your own um, passion path or path of passion or whatever you want to call it, uh, be prepared for uh, a really a, yeah, a frustrating journey. But at the end of the day, if you, feel, if you actually achieve it, it's not as if, I think I like the fact, I like what we talked about, about parents, not necessarily seeing them as the bad guys, just that they just don't understand. They never really yeah, been there before I, and they don't get it. I, I try to, I, I tell um, my younger brother that a lot, a lot that um, trying to speak to my dad or my, my mom about something, like you need to understand that sometimes like a 40-year gap mm. and whatnot. I think I, I once told my dad that, look, you won't understand, like, because right now you're still trying to figure out how to use a laptop, and I can get email. I can get emails on my phone, on mm. my watch, on mm. my phone. Mm. So it's there's a there's a technologically, there just so society has changed, technology has improved, and I'm sure when them and their parents, there was a difference. Like they scream engineering, 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 mm. but engineering as a field to me. Um, would be might would probably be obsolete in the next twenty thirty years. Mm. Makes know, sense with automation, yes. AI, yes. and yes. all those other things that are coming up. Like actual the actual engineering. Like one 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 time um, when I when I when I even moved back, a cousin of mine uh, when I was in Abuja sat down and asked me. I was talking about entertainment, 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 and it was like, why not just do oil and gas that's mm. where the money is and everything mm. i was like it's funny about the thing about oil and gas is that oil as a resource is is not infinite yeah it would dry up it would change or yeah. they would find some other some other resource that can use to do all these things now the entertainment in, in entertainment since let's say the 1800s yeah has always existed yep. people would need people will always humans will always have the the urge to read 
to relax, yeah. to drink, to dance. To before, it, what only changes is the form of delivery yes. of your your entertainment. So before we would, we would sit down in the village square and watch people wrestle, then you move into a you're watching them wrestle from your house. Yeah. Soon you might be you're sitting down and now on your phone. Yeah. In my phone, you might make it that in your head you can press play yeah. and watch or uh, watch or listen to something. So that's the thing about the entertainment industry. It's not. It's never going to the concept of maybe music, of um, movies, of books, and all those things. They are never going to actually lose their value. Because human beings, as we are, we just we always we have that need for entertainment. So that's like an industry that is going to last beyond my time, beyond anybody's time. So like music from Michael Jackson that was being played on vinyl players yeah. and now on iTunes um, from the 70s, Earthwind and Fire. You can find everything now digitalized and online. So it's it's just a form of delivery that is going to change. It's never going to go away. It's never going to stop being in demand. Um, Ratchet TV, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> drama, this, Twitter, social media. You know, it's, it's come to a point where they're like, you know what, you guys like to be entertained so much. You all entertain yourself. Yeah. Take Instagram. <laughs> do whatever you want. <laughs> you think, find everybody wants to, you know. You know so it's, 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 that's my thing. And I was like, I'd rather, rather pitch my tent there yeah. and build something and build a legacy there than say you know what I want to go and do oil and gas uh, where they I, I even felt like in Nigeria there's nothing new to do there's no groundbreaking uh, um, thing you can do in, yeah. in that in oil and gas everything is all the oil companies all the investment is there it's just maybe bad policies and bad governments that just don't let that industry flourish the way it wants to it should flourish but um, entertainment for me, globally, locally, uh, down to the the smallest community in River State, people there are always looking for something, looking for a way to be entertained. Yep. Either it's by going to, to go and chase with somebody, or going to a, a bar. Yeah. Going to that, yeah, just one thing or the other. They are always that that need is there. I'm hey. going to bury out sometimes. Strangely, strangely <laughs> in Nigeria. <laughs> that turned out to be entertainment too. <laughs> yeah, that turned out to be entertainment. Like the, the burials and the wakeeping and the parties. Yeah. After. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yes, okay. No, I mean, that's actually true. I mean, it's kind of weird. I, well, at least one of the weirdest things I've seen in a, in a barrel is people fighting over um, souvenirs. and like, you guys, you know somebody died, right? You know why we're here. I, I don't no, know why, this, why yeah, is this trade the most important funny. thing in your life and the food? I, mean, I don't get it. <laughs> but this is this it, has been um, interesting. I guess if we're going to, if we're going to like tie everything up in a bowl, because it seems as if... Well, I guess things seem to be like your life was things. Your life were kind of coinciding with Arsenal's timeline um, until, of yes. course, we got to Arsenal's rocky part. You had your little rocky part and self-discovery then, or rediscovery, and then you went. We got r- things back on track in, like, I guess, 2010 um, and on onwards. But then Arsenal still yet to figure it out. So here we are, 2018. Um, Arsenal is even further away from their dominance. Um, where they used to be before. Uh, back then, it was really just Ar- Man U versus Arsenal. Then Arsenal kind of fell off from being like, you know, going between first and second to then like, okay, top four. 
and now it's almost basically you guys are now turning out to be like a sure bet for europa right i mean last this season europa <laughs> almost sets in next season europa how um I, I like we said at the very beginning i know like you're no longer really following arsenal as closely as you used to um how does that feel and is it that do you have enough going on in your life or what's what are you doing right now that allows you to kind of like just drown out that arsenal suffering noise so my, my thing with arsenal is that um like i like i said like, what, what I said, like over time the the, the idea of maybe football and clubs and whatever will change or the delay, but you need to be able to adapt with time. You need to be able to change. You need to be able to modernize. You need to be able to um, philosophy-wise, style-wise, and, what, and whatever. You're in, a, you're in a league where it's very physical and you want to play very stylish. Mm. Um, you're going to have problems with that mm-hmm. you can have a bit of the style and whatever but you need to understand that you're in a very very physical league i think someone like uh, what's his name what was guardiola last season mm. had to kind of figure out figure out a way to bring his style and whatever to whatever is going on in the premier league today um unfortunately i blame arsenal's demise on one person alone Mm. Wenger. Mm. Mm. So Hashtag Wenger I out. That, yeah, <laughs> Wenger out. That's my own thing. With him buying up Aubameyang and him, so I still follow. I still follow like and watch and everything. But when I've noticed that the problem is not the co- is not the is not the players, is the philosophy of the coach and the style of the coach and what the coach the the, the mentality that he has. Um, and I feel like the game has gone beyond that. Mm. It's just like Phil Jackson going to New York and trying to do triangle offense mm. and building building a team for triangle offense when people are when people have moved to like yeah. shooting shooting from <laughs> shooting from shoot, yeah like like everybody just trying to get a, a a solid front line and you're still trying to do triangle offense and move the ball and whatever. Like, it's still great. It's still great basketball. It will still work and whatever, but you know, um, the game has evolved past that, and you need to be able to know that as a coach, as a business person, as whatever, whatever it is they are doing. That local, even in the music business, I, I was telling my, I was telling my younger brother, look, it's a young, young person's, young man's game. Yeah. The younger because the, the the people that consume the music more and so are so fanatic about the music are probably between the ages of like fifteen to twenty five. And once you get past that, once you once you lose touch with that demographic, you won't really be. You won't know what to, what's hot. You won't know how to feed them what's hot. You won't know how to appease that market. So I think Wenger has lost it mm. and needs to. And there needs to be some kind of rejuvenation of. They need to put a younger person that understands what's going on in soccer today and how the game is played, whether in, in England in. Maybe he might. Maybe his his taxes might work in in Europe, in in Spain. But in the Premiership, I don't think. I think it's a bit outdated. What he's trying to, what he does, or his style and his mentality. So I don't really follow Arsenal. I've not really stopped following Arsenal. Um, I just refuse to be um, 
I was watching a video by, by Thierry Henry today where he was like, you are ashamed to say when they have a good match, you are ashamed to come out and say, yeah, look at us now. Because you don't know, next week, they might not be most likely to do that again. Consistency is a problem. Um, so it's like, I just, I, and I can't, Every I think this is the first thing that I've not bought a jersey for the past maybe mm. seven, eight years. And I'm like, man, I'm not going to be, I, like, I, it's, it's just very blatant that this club, the room down to the owners, keeping Wenger, they are making money, they are taking advantage of the fact they're in London, charging the highest tickets, not really, are not really, they, they're not making moves to contend. They just try to give us these little glimmers of hope. Okay, we signed the bombing young and we signed, uh, what's the other guy from Man, from Man U? We brought them in. Mkhitaryan, mm-hmm. Arsenal fans get excited. They sell a Bamiyan jersey. They buy season tickets. They do all this, and then you come back and you know that uh, it's not it's, it's not the same thing, and all that. So um, what I've what I've been doing, I've always I, I've always been more of a basketball person than a soccer person. Oh really? Um, yeah. I've, from again, we used to play basketball. We had a we had a a, a secondary school team. Um, in SGC, we would play like UDSS and uh, we would play at Shell Camp mm. and whatnot. We play at this little, we play UDSS, we play ISS, we play Bereton and whatever. So we just would just arrange games between our colleagues or our friends in the other in the other schools that play basketball. So we've always been basketball people. Um, I was a I was a long time Laker fan because of Kobe. I was also a Houston fan. Like that, um, at one point, just but then I was I was very young. I didn't really know that much about basketball. I was like maybe twelve or nineteen. It was ninety four, so like ten actually. So, but that was because um, everybody was making making a big fuss about Hakim Olajuwon um, in Nigeria at that time. So I think it was like the biggest thing also in basketball then. So, and that's where Houston was. That's where my Houston was a team. Then Lakers because of Kobe, so I've kind of mostly followed players, um, but I think this season and last season, when the, when the Chris Paul moved to Houston, um, I believe that was last, was last season. Yeah, last season because I actually thought that my in my in my dream world, Chris Paul would have come to Lakers. Oh yeah, um, so you like Chris yeah. Paul as or a he, player? He, he was coming. I like Chris Paul as a player. He was coming to the Lakers, and I thought, that, okay, that would be the extension of my Laker hood. Yeah. And then they shipped him off to Clippers, and I hated, I hated the Clippers, and I hated that move. So he moved over to <laughs> to Houston. I was like, ah, nice, nice move. So right now, the team I'm following is Houston. So more of basketball for me than um, anything, and they're and they're doing pretty well. I still feel like they need one more, like all star piece to be able to compete against yeah. um, Golden, Golden State, State in the playoffs, not in the regular season because of the regular season their record is better than Golden State. They won, I think, out of two out of three games they beat Golden State. But I feel like playoffs are going to be a different um, beast entirely, and you just need that X factor. But maybe somebody will show up um, on the maybe Ariza will to step up since they kind of 
pitcher as a number three guy. Um, maybe he will actually step up there, but we'll see. Yeah, man, I I actually have a lot to say on that because you know me, I'm okay. I'm into basketball as well. Um, I actually hope Houston gets together, but I'll, we'll save that. Maybe we'll have you back on another episode and uh, we'll talk basketball. But uh, this is this has been good stuff, man. Really, really good yeah. stuff here. Good to hear your journey. Um, how uh, how you evolved and how like the birth of aristocrat the the hibernation of aristocrat after um i guess k- kids if you will young people will be ki- yeah. young people and they're like yeah this was just for fun this wasn't really i'm not really about this life you know and actually how it's kind of shows like the difference between you know like how we we're talking about the beginning uh, in the beginning like yeah we all loved entertainment and music as kids but there's really a difference between those that just love it and those that are really passionate about it and okay. um, the key is really kind of like following through on that passion and I guess kind of putting your money where your mouth is like because when you listen to all of the adversity and stuff and challenges that you went through, you still kind of stuck stuck with it. Even though you had like an easy path to or an easier path to doing something else, you were still like, man, I, I, I want to follow this music thing because that's my passion. So that's... Yeah, so I, and I was like, hear. I was very, very... In, in 2007, when everybody quits on me, I was really, really, and that was like, that, that would not be my lowest point in the music business per se, mm. um, because I wasn't really, I wasn't even doing, we're not even doing business at that point, it was just a bunch of friends mm. making music and whatever, and, um, but at that point, um, the fact that I came back to do it in like, maybe wonder it was three years later or whatnot, I don't think, if I didn't, if I didn't come back at that time, I don't think I would ever come back again. Mm. I don't think I've ever done it. I think I that was that that two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, that moment where I was like when I was like, Okay, I want to do something and I was like, Okay, I'm going back to the music. If I decided to do something at a different thing at that time, this my story would have been totally different. Mm. Um so that I, and it, again, um it's I, I don't know why I decided that, to be honest. Yeah. Nothing. There's no. There was nothing. There was nothing. Just out of pure passion yeah. and belief that this was what I was. I was good at. Yeah. Like if you, anybody asks me, like what, what I can do in my sleep, mm. what I know how to do was like music. Mm. That's it. I know what I need. I know how to set it up. I need. A, I need a producer. I need an artist. I need a studio. This. 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 We're going to do this. We're going to promote like this. We're going to do all that. Printed out posters. All those things. I, I had that in my head because I'd done it in America at a low level. Um, or at, we used to we used to drive to went to the reunion, drum reunion in 2007. Um, that was one of the last things we did together as a group. Um, and we there were two reunions that day. There was one in Atlanta and one in Houston. We went to both of them to go promote our music, and we actually got nominated for the first NEA award. Oh yeah, award. yeah, as best um, one of the best songs in diaspora or whatnot um and that's when after that they, they then quit after that wow really was, yeah they felt it was i don't even they thought it was becoming too serious oh we're, we're all going into our i think we're all going to our final year yeah and so, so it was after that whole that was late 2007 um going i think the after the reunion in july and yeah. everything and 
yeah, so it was like everyone was going into their final year, and everyone was just like, that guy. That's interesting, man. Me. That's interesting. Though. Like, it's almost yeah. like they saw the promised land and like, nah, I think this is getting too yeah. deep. <laughs> yeah, they, they had gone back to okay. Nigeria the, the Christmas before. That yeah. Christmas had performed yeah. at a at one charity organization, Pink Pearl or something. Yeah. So it was it was it was going all good. So that was a crushing moment for yeah. me. That's like everybody just saying, nah, I'm not doing this again. Yeah. And I was like, I remember having a really really long argument with Taiwo, yeah. trying to explain to him why it was important, yeah. what we're trying to do. And they were just like, man, guy, just, it's not that, it's not that deep. Well, I, didn't, I didn't sign up for I, this. It, I didn't sign up for yeah, it being my, it, my 95. The, the beauty of it was like, I, I can, as I said, is that's what to give you that super superhero yeah. uh, complex. Yeah. When you've, you've gone through all this yes, and then you make it and you have things like your, your parents are, Thought you were playing, your yeah. friends thought you were joking yeah. around, yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that. And you, now you now prove that oh, okay, yeah, this is this is this is what's going on. This is what's happening. This is actually real, and yeah, not crazy. So yeah, man. Hey, congratulations to you, man. It's 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 not it's not beans at all, man. It's it's an amazing story to hear. Um, before we get out of here, let me ask you one last question. So obviously, it's kind of like been a a theme about music and and we all know um the the discovery the story about the discovery of burner and the exceptional star he's become i'm curious to know if uh if you kind of like share two things with us one tell us one song or artist other than burner boy that you knew like when you heard you're like yep this is going to be a hit this is a good idea let's run with this when everybody else was like nah and also give us on the opposite side, give us one where you were like, "Yep, this is going to be a hit. Let's do this." And then you ended up being wrong. Um, song that okay, that if there are songs, mm. I can pick. I can couple, call a couple songs, but not, I don't want to call it burner song. Mm. So the most recent one was one they called Iskawa, mm. that I can remember. Um, now that was a jam. We're we're putting out two singles. I, yeah, I I I actually loved Iskaba personally, but sometimes they they think my taste is too bougie. <laughs> um, so so and what was what was hard at that moment was the was the Mr. Easy mm. Azonto Ghana mm. sound. Mm. So there were two songs, Ballers and Iskaba. I was like Iskaba. Um, everybody else. Was Team was like most people on the team were like ballers, mm. ballers. I was like, ballers is cool, but for me, as just playing music, Iskaba was it for me. Mm. Um, and then it came out and been one of the biggest records that I think I've been involved in. So boom, that's one of the you like, time. What you... I was like, hey man, I told you, <laughs> super superhero complex. Yeah, yeah. Of... okay. <laughs> <laughs> Super complex on on a uh, on ex ecstasy right there, man. <laughs> so so like, that that happens there. Yeah. Um. So what about the opposite? Songs that there was this Dami Crane again. We were again that's another artist that we were involved in. Mm. Um. So a lot of people know us for or know me for the work I do with Aristocrat and Aristocrat mm. and the artists I've worked on Aristocrat, but I've been involved in other art with artists on other projects. 
um, Two Faces Accession Accension album. Mm. Uh, I don't know what album, whether it's eight or seven. I don't know which album that was. Um, that actually made it to like Billboard, mm. World Music oh, Charts, wow. and whatever. So I, well, I was part of that project. I was also part of um, Dami Crane's project. Um, and there was this song called Sabi Dance. Mm. I believe that was a goal. <laughs> um, I oh. believe it was going to be like, that was like, that was the start of us kind of coming to the Dami Crane project. Yeah. And um, I went to Clarence Peters to get a thing for the video. Clarence sold me this idea mm. for this huge video dance papla is gonna be this and Dami Crane is a wonderful performer mm. and whatnot and I felt like okay off off the song and the strength of the video, if Clarence does what he says, mm. he was gonna go. And um Clarence asked for four million which is approximately like twelve thousand dollars right now. And I signed off on it mm. because I actually believed that this was a hit. It was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, Clarence didn't deliver the video the way it was supposed oh. to be. <laughs> there were no hundred extras and him <laughs> dancing with all these people <laughs> and whatever and whatnot. It was a good video, mm. it did, it, yeah, but it wasn't for millionaire awards mm. or whatever. So I had to first hide my face <laughs> in shame <laughs> for that. Then on top of that, the song didn't just pick up yeah so that was one um i think think i'm going to look up for that song actually i i i've never i actually yeah you should you should yeah that's how bad it is (laughs) it's not not a bad song i I felt like i felt like all the things were danny and his dancing and yeah i think i think i i believed in i believed in it the way they sold it to me the way even danny because like when you when you see when you like you hear the music yeah. and you see the artists, there's some songs that you know like okay this is the right artist to yeah. kind of carry the song and yeah. it has everything and it's fan base and it was doing the dances and all those things I was like man and even when I went to the the video shoot and Dami was performing Dami was dancing and doing whatever the energy level was insane and it was like I'm like man mm. this guy is killing it mm. and whatever this is not what his home is going to be but mm. Time is killing it, so mm. there's still hope. People are going to see it, people are going to watch it, and they're going to just love it, they're going to love the energy and all that. Mm. And just, it never happened. Just, didn't translate. I love Last it. I don't know any more. There are a couple songs that I would say that I thought they were going to go, didn't go. Yeah. Um, not really songs, but artists. Yeah. You know, but the thing about the, the thing I the thing I've 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 learned about um the whole artist thing and the picking artists or signing artists is that superstars come once in a in a blue moon. Yeah. Not every artist is gonna not every artist is gonna be a superstar. Some people are career artists are gonna build and build their fan base and have that whatever. There's there's only one Michael Jackson, um, and there are a lot of the Jacksons when it comes to artists. Yep. Talented, but people, not, they don't have that X factor like not, Michael Jackson had. Not that X factor and everything. So, um, and 
usually what even happens with like a lot of major labels and what happens is that you can sign 10 artists this year and you can put out all 10. The, the beauty of it is that when that superstar, if that superstar is in that, in that 10, when he crosses over and he pops, he, he will pay, the, the money you would make off that superstar would, will cover your losses on all the other nine. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Just one guy. Yeah. Just one guy. Because the, the kind of, like, it, it goes, it, 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 we can go deeper and deeper into the pot. It go of all nine, and the remaining nine, you would find some that you would say, okay, they need maybe a couple more years of work. This one needs whatever, and you find the ones that you know what you like. This just let this person go. Mm. This is not going to work. So yeah. it's it's it, it happens like, and you have to go through that cycle as a record label, and you find those ones like. It's almost like chasing a high. Board. It's almost like man, um, you you yeah. have that that first high. And you're like, oh man, I, I, I know what that's like. That's amazing. I, I need I, to get back there again. And you'll be looking for get that. There again. Like, I, and you'll be looking for that. And you have to go through those. You, and you just have to go through that yeah. again and again. So just imagine every year or every, or you, you, you have maybe you have um, 10, one superstar, maybe two or three mm. mid level guys that with some work they can get to a star star level yeah not superstar but you'll get to star level you make some money so you say okay i'll keep this mid-level guys yeah i keep pushing them then the remaining um seven trash you dump them you then add a new seven mm. to that to that to that your team and then hope that out of that seven there's one superstar there if not same circle so you definitely see the uh, labels of sign artists after a while, they'll drop them. Mm. They'll sign artists after a while. Yeah, cut your losses like and keep on music. moving. Cut your losses and keep on moving. Not like a Sony Music, is, they, are, they are comfortable in signing new artists and pushing them out because they they already have the Michael Jackson character. Yeah. That'll keep on paying yeah. for everybody that they're signing. They would have one white country artist that's paying for everything they're signing. So they can, they can invest more in new artists and in, in finding that raw, rough diamond at the next superstar. For an upcoming label like us, a Nigerian label, it's very, very difficult mm. to do that. Um, for you to just keep on, because the, the music doesn't pay that much. So it's like, but you have to, but you have to keep going. Yeah. You can't stop. Because you never know when that, when you're going to run into the next superstar or when that person's going to cross your path. Yeah. You know, the, the guy that we signed right now, the most, the recent artist, uh, what's his name, Caesar. Yeah. Um, someone sent me a message saying that, oh, I know this. When, I, when we're promoting this video, someone sent me a message saying, I know this guy. He used to talk about being signed to you or wanting to be signed to you. It's like his dream finally came through. I never knew that he wanted to be signed to us. Wow. Like, I didn't even know. Hey, that's so, like that burner story, man. Burner's like, I've been waiting for yeah, this call. Like, it's I, almost like. I was like, I did. I was like, I didn't, I, yeah, this was like on Instagram. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I just acted like, oh, okay, cool. That's good. Like, yeah, he's like, he's doing fine and yeah. whatever and whatnot. But he never, when, when, I, when we met him, when we were trying to sign him, we, he didn't come to us like, oh, yeah, I've been waiting for all yeah. my life for yeah. you guys. But he, but he told that guy that if there's a label that he wanted to sign with, that he would sign with, it's aristocratic. it would be us. Hey, so man, that's... At that point, when I went... Good. Yeah, when I when I heard that, I was like, okay, then there's something there's it's the right there's the right fit because we just liked him, we liked him because we saw what he could do. Yeah, I was like, okay, this is a great guy, and I didn't even know that he had, he had even 
known anything about us to that time. So that's why I say you just can't sometimes you got to keep going and you just they never know when you find the next guy and that next guy might yeah. be the next one. Hey man, we're watching him. I mean, I agree. Caesar is a is an amazing talent, and um, I guess if there's anything to go off as reference, um, it's the confidence in which he said, "Yep, it's it's go time." Um, I've been waiting for this for this for you guys for a minute. That probably using Bernard as reference, that might be a sign of something good. But hey, thanks for sharing. That's that was freaking amazing. Um, it's good to actually hear this. Thank your you for having and me everything. again. Hey man, we and we'll keep on having you hopefully in the future. <laughs> yeah, tell me, I said Nubian, I'm coming. <laughs> All right, folks, that's our show. Uh, thanks, PD, for taking part and sharing your journey with us. Um, and uh, everyone listening, have a great week and stay fanatics. Have a great week.